All right, fight fans, it's time for us to collectively have a moan, as you might say if you're from the UK. Today's video is all about complaining, specifically complaints we the fans have had about the UFC and some of the changes they've made over the years. <laughs> I don't give a f now, I'm not just going to sit here and whine for the duration of the video. I'm going to explain the controversies and hopefully make you laugh along the way, in addition to airing some of my own gripes in solidarity with you, the fans, who were not fans of these sudden shifts the promotion has made. Time to do some venting. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. Actually, before we do that, let's take a look at Engage's new merch drop just in time for UFC 287. Izzy, tell him what time it is. It's hunting season. New t-shirt has dropped. The hunter is not a hunter. Yeah. Say less, just watch. Cut that tea. Dope. All right, now let's talk about 10 UFC changes fans hated. Number 10, no event numbers. Every once in a great while, usually at one of the bigger cards where there's a lot of media that don't normally cover the sport, or it's just one of those sound, solid number pay-per-views like 200 or 250, somebody will ask Dana at the presser if the UFC will ever stop numbering their pay-per-view events. After all, won't it get ridiculous saying UFC 583 or whatever? And Dana always says, nope, we're keeping them forever. But that wasn't the case early on. When Zufa first bought the promotion, the numbers were nowhere to be seen. UFC 30 was just UFC Battle on the Boardwalk. Then we had UFC Locked and Loaded. Victory in Vegas. High Voltage. Yeah, lightning. But guess what? Everybody hated it because you can't reference these shows by these edgy little names. How are you going to keep track of all that history? I can't remember. Did Couture win the belt at Sudden Impact or was it High Impact? The numbers made sense. They were needed. And it's crazy to think they thought anybody would like them getting rid of them. This is blasphemy. This is madness! By UFC 40, they came to their senses and started adding the numbers back to the posters and promotional materials. By UFC 100, they mostly quit with the subtitles. Can you imagine if they kept this shit up, though? There's been over 600 events. They would absolutely have run out of cool phrases to name these things. ChatGPT, come up with a completely original UFC event subtitle. Honestly, it's not that bad. AI is going to take your job soon, everybody. Number nine, John Anik replacing Goldie. All right, everybody calm down. Fans hated it at first. Not saying we hate John Anik now in any way, shape, or form, or that we even hated him back then. Just calm down. What we didn't like was the idea of change. Goldie was unceremoniously ousted from his spot at UFC 207. When these kind of things happen, I'd rather not talk about it. If Mike wants to talk about it, ask Mike. There was no send-off. There was no explanation. It was just Goldie he's gone. And sure, you might have complained about the guy, but you loved him like family still because he was there for almost every iconic moment you can think of in the sport you hold so dear for the last 20 years. His partnership with Joe Rogan about as iconic as commentary duos get, at least in combat sports. Elbow, elbow. Speaking of Portuguese, uh, that's Japanese, bro. And so John Anik had some huge shoes to fill. Sure, we already knew him from his commentary with Kenny Florian on Fight Nights, and we all knew that he was good, but it was different, and we didn't like change. It's a testament to just how awesome John Anik is that he was so quickly able to win everybody over <laughs> after such a sour exchange, and he's now one of the more beloved broadcasters in the whole sport. But that initial reaction to suddenly seeing somebody else with Joe Rogan on the biggest shows of the year was not a positive one to say the least, and certainly warranted a spot on this list. Number 8. Wednesday Night Fights Hey, how would you like to spend 7-8 to eight hours of your Saturday three times a month on Apex cards? Sound fun? Sound like a great time? I bet you love never ever having a chance to do 
anything on a Saturday whatsoever for the absolute smallest of shows because like all of us at MMA On Point, you have an unhealthy relationship with the sport and you can't stop yourself from watching every single weekend. Well, guess what, young ones? That wasn't always the case. Back in the old days, fight night cards were oftentimes on a Wednesday, sometimes a Tuesday, sometimes a Friday, but usually midweek, and usually paired with tough, which is something that everybody used to watch. So you'd get an episode in, you'd watch fight night, usually just the main card was available in the early days on Spike TV, and then you went on with your week. Or they doubled up on the week, so fight night Wednesday, pay-per-view Saturday, and then you had a few weeks to chill. It was perfect. Sure, Thursday at work was tough after the midweek cards, but you had a whole weekend to be a real person with real people. Then around 2014, the UFC said, fuck that, we own your weekends forever and you're never getting them back. And so those of us who showed up before Connor and Ronda and TikTok, we long for the days when the fight nights were fewer and airing midweek. Number seven, EA UFC replacing Undisputed. I found a YouTube video called 21 Things UFC Undisputed 3 Did Better in all caps. It has over a million views. And if that doesn't tell you how people feel still to this very day about the shift from THQ to EA games, then I don't know what could represent it better. And while the hatred for this change is nowhere near as strong as it was initially when the first EA UFC dropped in 2014, part of that feeling today is the nostalgia of playing those undisputed titles so many years ago. There's no doubt that it's still a sore spot for many fans, even though I personally think the EA games are pretty great too. But you have to remember in the context, Undisputed 3 was peak form for THQ and that title in 2012. It was the third iteration, it was about as polished as it could be, and of course it had so many cool features, like Pride Mode, and the presentation was just fantastic. The gameplay was so much more refined. Then two years later, we get this bare-bones, buggy-ass mess of an EA UFC. So of course, fans were going to be upset. Honestly, I didn't help the matter with my glitch videos. Jones with a capoeira kick, and Gustafson responds with a merry-go-round. But there was a lot of work to be done, and to the credit of that team, they really did work their asses off to make that series what it is now. But I can absolutely understand going from the best version of Undisputed to the weakest of EA UFC and thinking, man, do I hate giant corporations and their half-assed products. Number six, dropping the face the pain intro. Time to end this suffering. Have more iconic words ever been spoken in the English language? The answer is no, and ever since the stupidly named UFC 37.5, Face the Pain by new metal band Stem was synonymous with the UFC brand. The song would play to open every single pay-per-view event, and it really did set the tone of that era. It made a ton of sense in the early 2000s, much like the Gladiator Man intro that they eventually nixed in 2012. We will miss you, nameless warrior guy getting ready. Anyway, six years after that was cut, Face the Pain had endured, even if it had largely overstayed its welcome, but it was such a part of the pre-show hype for so many fans for so long that we ended up growing attached to it. And so when the UFC started pulling it from broadcasts in 2018 leading into the ESPN era, everybody was upset. Yeah, we didn't like it. Nobody was listening to Face the Pain hanging out with the boys or driving to the grocery store, but damn it, it was part of our UFC ritual and you can't just take that away. I understand that the brand grows and I know they've used part of it in things since, but even those of us who despised it after a decade and a half were sad to see it go, as it meant an era of our lives had ended. The Face the Pain era. Truly, it ripped me into pieces into pieces. Number five, no more tournaments. I mean, who doesn't love a tournament? The reason March Madness is so popular is because it's a big-ass tournament. The NFL, NBA, NHL playoffs, they're little tournaments. Mortal Kombat is a tournament in name, not in actual practice, but we still love it because they call it one. And in MMA, it was one of the very first concepts about the sport that intrigued so many of us. One night, a single tournament, a single winner, the best fighter of all the fighting styles, we were gonna find out right then. What a genius idea, 
and even since those iconic first UFC shows, there's been the incredible Pride Grand Prix. Hell, the belts didn't even matter in that promotion. It was all about those giant-ass tournament trophies. Scott Coker knows what's up. He's always trying to recreate that magic in his promotions. And yeah, fans miss it. We hate that they're gone. We know that it can't be like the old days where it's one night and everybody fights multiple times. Although Invicta has been doing it successfully with their Phoenix series, just saying. But if we can't have that, do it Coker style. Let's have some GPs. Let's get some big-ass UFC trophies. They're always making up interim titles to bolster pay-per-views, bring back tournaments, and you won't need that because the stakes are built right into the thing. Fans have always loved them all the way back to Valley Tudo Japan, and we would welcome them back with open arms. Number four, pay-per-view price hikes. Kind of a no-brainer. Who wants to pay more money, right? In June of 2021, I made a joke about the UFC raising the pay-per-view price to $70 using a modified line from the movie Rush Hour, aren't I hilarious? Ha 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 ha. Just a little bit later that year, I revisited the tweet because they'd now hiked them up to $75. And then just this year in January, I came back to that tweet talking about how depressing this all is because the price is now $80. I would not be shocked if by International Fight Week this year, it's $85. I have no idea what's going on. I guess it's because everybody's stealing them, which by the way, I just want you all to know that I am one of those guys that actually does buy all of these. And I resent you all very deeply for forcing me to pay such ridiculous prices. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. I'm just joking. Not about me paying or my resentment, but about the reason for the price increases. It's probably just because they want more money. The occasional increase does make sense. I mean, in time, things are more expensive, right? So fans aren't going to be upset about those usually, although we're never happy to have to pay more. But the rapid spike to these costs as of late has just been the worst thing ever. And every single time I have to pay, I still can't believe the price. It will continue to go up and we will continue to hate it. The only reason this entry isn't higher is because so many of you are pirates that it's not affecting you anyway. Number three, regular Apex events. Did you think that the Apex was just going to be one of those pandy provisions the UFC did for a while and now that things are changing, they'll abandon it? Nope. I think the Apex is always going to be in the mix now. It makes a lot of sense. That's right. Holding events at the Apex is going to continue to be a regular fixture. On the one hand, I do get it. You've got this place built. It is very nice. All your production equipment is already there and set up. They're expanding the building to include fighter hotels. This thing has to save them insane amounts of money and time. On the other hand, and the reason it's made this list, is because we are now largely not fans of this place. It was fine when there were restrictions. It even had some really cool and unique positives. The lack of crowd sound was kind of neat initially, but in time, it's just become way too low energy, and it's unfortunately becoming synonymous with really lackluster fight night cards. Big crowds now mean big shows, and Apex means, okay, well, we're watching a card full of fighters with two bouts in the promotion, and maybe a couple names we know at the top. It's not that it's inherently bad, but given the circumstances and the quality, fans have not been happy with the Apex as of late. Number two, the Legacy Championship Belt. One of the coolest things about the UFC title was that it had a very iconic look from the beginning, or I should say from the beginning of the Zufa era. The SEG belts were cool in like an old school boxing type of way, but the Zufa design was more like the types of titles you would see in professional wrestling. It was big and all gold and had a real presence that over time became one of the most iconic bits of imagery related to the UFC brand. The other awesome thing was that you got one every time you defended your title. There's that super cool photo of Demetrius Johnson with 10 UFC championship belts. But then in January of 2019, the UFC decided, new year, new me, new channel. We're going to redesign the title to better fit our modern version of the brand. Fans immediately hated it. They hated how it looked, many joking that it was like the Power Rangers belt buckle. Everybody called the UFC cheap since the old belts cost 300 grand a pop. And now fighters would only be getting new jewels added to their original for each title defense versus a whole new belt. It just didn't go over well. It's kind of grown on me personally 
personally, maybe I'm just used to it now, but if I'm ranking the belts, the old one is definitely going above the new one. Yeah, fans were not happy at all, and a lot of fans still hate these new belts. Number one, uniforms. An awesome thing about MMA has always been the unique and interesting forms of expression that fighters will demonstrate through what they wear to the cage. Be it an elaborate walkout getup, or the very gear they wear to compete, it's amazing how something so simple can convey so much. Why would anybody ever want to change that? Well, starting in 2015, the UFC partnered with Reebok and decided that all the fighters' gear in ring would now be standardized. Everybody would have their choice of that Reebok gear, but it would all fall in line to these same designs. Now, in addition to the fans just hating this idea of taking the expression of ring gear away, the bigger controversy became that the fighters would no longer be allowed to wear their own sponsors on their trunks and walkout clothes. While Reebok would be compensating the fighters to the tune of about $7 million a year collectively, and some would get royalties for their merch, the breakdown on it left many feeling like they'd lost a big component of their income. So you pissed off the locker room, which pissed off the fans, and then you debuted these things, and you spelled a bunch of people's names wrong, and they looked like Power Rangers shit. What is with the UFC and Power Rangers? While the gear did admittedly get better over time, there was still a lot of animosity towards the program all the way to the very end, for more reasons than I honestly have time to really dive into in a single entry, but pretty much nobody but the UFC themselves have been fans of restricting the expression of these fighters through their gear. You know who I would never restrict the expression of? The awesome editor of this video, Luke Taylor. Please follow him on social media and send him pictures of adorable animals. Follow Ben Rosette as well because the guy makes our boss-ass music, and like and subscribe because it's great. What changes do you hate that the UFC's made? Oh man, this is gonna be a lively comment section, but do let us know. And thanks for watching, I'll see you again real soon.